Hey, Credit Heroes. Today, we're going to talk with credit repair millionaire, Nicole Ashley, who started a credit repair business from nothing, and she grew it to over a million dollars. And today, she's going to share her secrets on exactly how she did this. And she's going to break down some of her top secret credit repair strategies. So you better stick around. So the big question is this. How can we take our passion for helping people with their credit and turn it into a successful business without taking loans, without spending a fortune, by bootstrapping it from nothing, so we can help the most people and still become highly profitable? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Daniel Rosen, and welcome to Credit Repair Business Secrets. Okay, before I dive in, if you are new to my podcast, be sure to click to subscribe and turn on notifications so you don't miss any of the secrets that we share each week here on the Credit Repair Business Secrets Podcast. And this podcast is brought to you by Credit Hero Score, the only credit monitoring that is directly integrated with Credit Repair Cloud. And if you want me to hold you by the hand as you launch your very own credit repair business, go to CreditHeroChallenge.com. Okay, let's get into this. This is an exciting show today because our guest is our newest credit repair millionaire. She's going to share her secrets with us. Please welcome to the podcast, credit repair millionaire, Nicole Ashley. Welcome, Nicole. Hi. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. Look at you and your award. This is so exciting. Thank you. And look what just <laughs> showed up here. Your little mini award that's going to go on the wall of our office. Yes. I'm so excited for that. <laughs> How does it feel to be a credit repair millionaire? It feels good. I mean, I'm still me. I still shop at Target. <laughs> um, me too. <laughs> you know, but it's it's definitely, it's surreal. It feels very good. You know, because I remember when I first got into the industry, that seemed so, so hard to get. That was like, we look at celebrities, right? Like musicians and movie stars. And we're like, wow, like this award is that to us, you know? So when you get one of your own, you're like, wow, I can do that. I'm one of them. I'm going on the wall. And you just, you're just proud of yourself. I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of everyone else that's up there. And, you know, and I want to thank you and Keenan too, for just having that for us, just having that for, for people like me to have something to run after and get. And so really thank you guys for having something like that. Really. It's our pleasure. And it makes it fun. It does make it fun. It makes it like show busy because my background is show business. So I think of it like the Academy Awards of credit repair. Uh, but anyways, congratulations. It means you've worked your butt off. Yeah, doesn't it? Now, yes. I want to know everything. I want to know your whole story, like your background, what got you into credit repair, why it, why this even popped into your head. Can you tell me about your background? Sure. So there were two significant um, times in my life that brought me into understanding that how important credit and finances are. Yeah. Uh, the first incident was in... I would say 2015. Um, unfortunately, my children and I were involved in a domestic violence situation. I was a single, I was a stay at home mom at the time. So that forced me into being a single mom, not planned, but life happens. Yeah. 
So we had to start completely over with nothing. I had to find a job. I had to get a car. I had to find a place to live. You need money, credit, collateral for those things. I had none of that. So I'm learning now I need to fix my credit. I need money. I need to. So now I'm learning about consumer law, credit, finding a job, getting back into the workforce, things like that. Um, I'm also trying to balance being a single mother and all of that at the same time. So I managed to scrape by for about two years. Um, and now I would say we're about in the holiday season of 2018. And the holidays can be pretty depressing for people, right? They can. Um, so I'm working at an office job. And again, I'm I'm originally from Boston. So I'm working at my, my office job. And I'm kind of getting upset about the holidays and it's tight. It's a tight budget for me, my children, things like that. We don't live in the best neighborhood. I still do not have a vehicle. But what I did have was some small balanced credit cards because I had repaired my own credit. I learned how, um, what my rights were as a consumer. I learned the importance of credit, things like that. Um, so I was grateful that I had those opportunities to, to have a decent Christmas that year. But I didn't, again, I didn't have a vehicle and I didn't live in the best neighborhood. And I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. So while at my little office job, I went on Google and what pops up? The little smiling cloud right here. No way. Credit pair cloud. (laughs) And I kid you not, I turned to my coworker and I said, I know what I'm going to do. And he's like, what? And if he sees this, I know he's going to remember. This is December 2018. I said, I'm going to start my own credit repair company. And I have not stopped since that day. (laughs) So I, I knew the laws. I knew credit. I knew that if I could become my own solution to being sick and tired of being sick and tired, (laughs) like I could become other people's solutions, people that were just like me, single parents, single mothers. I knew that I could also become an advocate for that people that were not living in the best situations, there's a way out. If I can do it, you can too. And I wanted more freedom. I was sick of of having to give my boss a request to go to the school to see my child's concert, a Christmas concert. Or if they got sick, I would have to take the day off, lose out on money just to go take care of them. And I just knew I wanted more. So I Googled start my own credit repair company. And like I said, credit repair cloud popped right up with the stickers and the t-shirt and the, and everything. And I hit the ground running with it. And at my office job, there was the big industrial printers and I would print everything and I would sneak over and get all my papers and put them in my binder. And I just haven't stopped since that day. So I've had, I've had two more children since then and I would have them and pick my laptop up and pick my laptop up the next day and just keep working. I don't recommend that. I recommend taking care of your emotional and mental health, but I'm just so passionate about credit and how it can change your life and what it can do for us. And just being that solution, it it literally changed my life, my children's lives. And that's my, my entire mission is just being that solution. So that's exactly what I did. So I, I quit that job. I had my binders full of my papers. I registered my business. I did had no idea it was going to turn out the way it did. No idea. 
but I just did it. I registered it. I just started getting clients. I was posting things on Facebook about how I fix my own credit, how I can help others. And they started coming in for me, just being authentic, being myself. Um, they knew my story. They knew what I had just went through prior. So mm-hmm. they they literally saw me go from what I went through to getting better, you know, a better neighborhood, a better car and things like that. So that's really how I got mm-hmm. into it. Those two events. That's an amazing story. Yeah, I was really taken by something you wrote on Facebook recently. You wrote, I started my company from nothing, literally a negative bank account and a high 300 credit score. Not many people in my life at the time believed in me. I've always been the black sheep, stubborn, and I bet on myself I always will. Yes. I love that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, my my credit score was like on life support, um, I would get it better. And then I would, because I didn't have money, I would max out the cards I did get. And I didn't understand that you you have to keep your utilization low. <laughs> I, I would depend on those cards still. So I would max them out and then my score would suffer again. So yeah, my, my credit score was bad. Um, I didn't, when I did leave that domestic violence incident, um, unfortunately, my family didn't some of my family, I'll say, um, they didn't agree with me leaving that situation. They felt like financial security was with that situation. And I was like, nope, I'm going to go this way. Be stubborn. I'm going this way. Um, quitting my job with my binders full of laws and credit and credit repair cloud. Stubborn. I'm doing what I want to do. And no, I didn't have the support. They did not see my vision. They didn't see my mission. But as I said, I bet on myself. I will always do that. And I think everybody should do that. Absolutely. Amen to that. Amen to that. You have the job. You started doing the credit repair. Was it like a side hustle at first? Oh, or I quit my job completely. You just quit cold turkey. Yes. When yes. Right, I'm in business now. Yes. That must have been so scary. What was that like? I didn't I don't like to have a backup plan. I don't like the plan B. I don't like that because I for me at least um it gives you a cushion. It gives you a sense of comfort. Um I don't like to be comfortable. When I'm uncomfortable, I do great things. It's a growing opportunity for me. So I don't I quit. I had too many kids that were depending on me. I I quit. I had a few hundred dollars. My credit was in the in the high sixes at that time because I did fix it. Um, and yeah, I I registered it and just I just went with it. And I knew I I have to do this or my what's my what is my option really, Daniel? What would have been my option to go back to work? They're not going to pay me a living wage. I have to ask them to get days off to take care of my children. That would that was going to be my option. I either figure this out or go back to that. That was it for me. So I figured it out. Yeah, I like that. No safety net. No safety. I always feel the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did you first? Okay, so you started posting on social media, and that started to get you some clients. How did you get more clients? What were the first steps? I would start to get more clients. A lot of them were word of mouth. So it would be people that I knew that were posting what I was doing, all organic referrals. Um, I was just so 
because I didn't want to go back to what I was just went through because I knew I had kids depending on me because I knew what I wanted. I went out and just did the good old fashioned footwork. I would hand out business cards. I had a magnet um, that I would stick up in little, I would go to like the little barber shops, the hair salons, um, the liquor stores. Um, and I would, I would have little magnets and I would ask the owner, can I stick this here? Can I put this in your window? I would leave my cards in the dentist. My kids would go to school and I would put my business card in like the Valentine's Day bag, the Halloween bag. And that's how I was getting clients. It was the mom and dads like me. I was getting my clients that were just like me. That's who I was getting my clients. So people that were like me, that's who I was targeting. And that's how I would get them. And they would find me on Facebook and that's how I would get them. It was just the good old fashioned face-to-face type of work. Wow. I love that. Old-fashioned guerrilla marketing. That's it. It's great. Old school. Uh, what were some of the greatest struggles you had when you were first starting? Um, being really hard on myself. I'm definitely very hard on myself. I still am. Um, and it's a blessing and a curse. Um, so I think it was very hard for me because I didn't have a lot of money to start up either. So when I first started up, I didn't have the best equipment. I didn't really have any equipment. So I was doing a lot of things with an old, you know, raggedy computer. Um, you know, I was just doing a lot of things by hand. I was doing a lot of unnecessary things that I didn't necessarily need to do. Not getting help when I could have gotten the help. And just being really, really critical on myself. Even when I did accomplish something, I still wanted to do better. Or I wanted to loop around and do it better when I should have just sat for a minute and been happy about that success. And then, cause baby steps are still steps forward. There's and a lot of us forget that we want the big thing. We don't, we don't remember that baby steps are still forward movement. And a lot of us are afraid to fail. I was afraid to fail because you're thinking again of the bigger picture. You're not thinking that you have to fail forward. If you don't fail, then you're not even trying. You have to try to fail. So I think just being scared, fear was in my way a lot. So I had to get out of my own way, knock all that off and just fail forward. And that's all I did. Fall on your face over and over and over again. That's <laughs> that's all I did. That's all I keep doing. That's amazing. But that's actually how you grow a business. That's the part people are so afraid of, but that's what it takes. Yeah. That's how you grow a person too. You have to, you have to just do it. Yeah, you have to step through the fear and um, and really all those mistakes, if you learn from them, uh, then then they propel you forward. Yep. It builds character. <laughs> it sure does. <laughs> sure does. When? Uh, how long were you doing everything alone in the business and when did you start hiring? Uh, too long. Um, so let's see. I started it 2018. Late 2000, uh, early 2018, I really started it. I started to really pick up clients that year. I started to finally hire in 2020. So I was doing it for the first few years by myself. Um, and then I started to hire an assistant. Um, and then I started to separate different departments for things because I started to grow very rapidly. Consumers were hitting me up, but also, um, other credit repair owners were hitting me up. So I started to grow incredibly rapidly and I had to start separating my help. Um, and that's exactly what I did. I would say, I would always say 
hire slow, not like don't take your time to hire somebody, like hire somebody as soon as you know what you're doing, hire help, but hire that person slow, like hire the right people, but fire quickly. (laughs) Okay. Because your reputation is on the line. Sure. Sure. Wow. How big a team do you have now? Right now I have 24. Wow. And there's some more in training right now. I make them train for six months before they can touch anything. So there's some more training right now. They'll be done by May 1st to start working. Wow, that's incredible. How many clients are you working with now? Um, Active clients right now, we have uh, over 11,000. I don't know the exact number, but it's over 11,000 today. Wow, that's monstrous. Yeah. I think that's more than anyone I've interviewed on the show. I'm grateful for every single one of them. They're like family to me. I love to see them go to graduate, but I like hate to see them go because they're family. Sure. Or even if they're with a, even if they're with a partner, like a, like if, if they're with a credit repair owner, you know, I still, their reputation means a lot to us. And, you know, I love to see them graduate because we're helping their reputation and it's just, I just love to see them graduate, but it's still sad to see them go. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, let's talk about, you've sort of touched on a little bit. Let's talk about your outsourcing. Can you explain what that is and how it works? Sure. So my outsourcing came to me from someone within the industry that that I'm close with. She recommended to me one day, like she wanted to do some other things within the industry and she just didn't have time to sit and do the the letters and the updating and things like that. And she was like, you know, um, you know, can you take on these files and things like that for me? And I was like, of course, like, um, you know, I have no problem doing that. And it just, it just really blew up from there. Everyone else was like, please, because I'm, I'm someone that always has said, you can't work on your business. If you're working in your business, you have to go out and be the face of your business, go to meetings, bring, bring in your money. If you're, if you're not working on your money-making activities, let us do it. Um, so my company will do that for you. We'll be your entire back office for you. So you can go out and be the face of your company or take a day off, take a vacation, do whatever. We'll do that. Um, so we'll, we took on that for you. So my outsourcing company, we, we are your complete back office for you. Um, my staff is here with me in Orlando and then I have some over in Houston because we have a big market in, in, uh, Texas. So we have a big staff over there in Houston and we have a staff here in Orlando. So I have a dispute team. They just do disputing and and processing. And then I have a customer service team specifically, and we just handle customer service. So if a credit repair owner wants to hire us to do one of those two things or both, they have us to handle those things so they can go out and they can be the face of their company and bring in bring in more clients or they can venture off to other streams of income within the industry because there's many that they can do um, and we'll handle all of that for them. And then if they have a credit repair cloud account, they add you as a team member and then you log in and then they can see what's going on, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They add us as a team member and we'll work directly on their credit repair cloud account. So they can see in real time that we log in every day, what we're doing, um, everything that we do within there. Um, and then we check it Monday through Friday. We don't, we don't necessarily work on the weekends, but yes, they'll add us as a user. We'll log in if they have, however, they have their statuses or things that are set up. We'll make some custom statuses for them 
to indicate who wants to be processed, who's graduating, who's ready. Um, and we'll handle all of that for them. We'll leave them memos. Maybe if there's a payment that didn't go through, we'll indicate that for them. All they really have to do is onboard the client and let us know it's ready. And we handle everything else front to back. Wow, that's awesome. How many companies, how many credit repair companies are you currently working with? Right now, we're just under 600 individual companies. Wow, that's huge. I'm so blessed. I'm so <laughs> blessed. <laughs> yeah. That is incredible. Congratulations. How many consumers are you processing disputes for on a monthly basis? Um, so I do have a few corporate contracts. Um, so we do have a few of those. So I would say letters dispute wise, we're around uh, and postage is a huge bill for us. It's it's a blessing. Um, I would say we're, we're doing around 50,000 letters a month. That is amazing. Um, Okay. So, oh, but so, okay. So you're doing the outsourcing. You're do, you're also outsourcing customer service. Are you also setting up uh, automations for people? We do have some that we, we have, but credit repair cloud comes with its own great automations. Um, but we do have some, if people want to add on a few of their own other op options, we do have some that come with ours just so they know what we're doing. Because we, I understand that when you're handing over your company, which is like your baby to somebody, it's hard yeah. to trust that. It's hard to give that up. So we do add a couple of automations in just so they can keep up with their clients because it's still their client. So they can keep up with their client, with the flow, with um, the statuses, with where their client is at. That way they don't feel like we're a middleman That so that they feel that they're still in control of their client. So there's some automations that we do add in um, for the CRO that they can use for their client as well. Um, so yeah, there are there are some automations that we do like to use for that as well. That's awesome. So that keeps them in the loop on what's Absolutely. happening. Got it. Got it. I, I'm still mind boggled by how many clients you have. I, it's definitely more than anyone we've ever on, had on the show. And because of that, I think it'd be really awesome. Could you give some credit disputing tips? Okay, great. Yep. I've got a bunch of questions for you then. <laughs> um, now, I noticed on your site, your company tagline is the original Metro 2 outsourcing company. So we've never talked about Metro 2 here on the pod podcast, so this will be a first. What, what exactly is Metro 2 and how does it work? Metro 2, just to explain Metro 2, we would have to be here. There's not enough time in a day. Okay. What I like to to water it down for people is I like to say that Metro 2 is the language that when you send off your dispute letter, it goes in. People like to think that your letter goes to a person and the person opens the envelope and looks at the letter and is like, oh, I need to go get my manager. Look at all these errors. And no, that's not happening. It's putting they're putting it into a machine. That machine is in a language. It's in codes. That is Metro 2. So you need to you need to dispute your, your letters. And we still, I'm not saying anything wrong is, is wrong with factual or, you know, using the laws and things like that. Um, but Metro 2 is, is basically the language that the credit repair, that credit repair, um, the bureaus use to code and, and speak in their letters and things like that and their disputes. Um, so when you're sending off a letter to the Bureau, Metro 2 
is the language that the bureaus and the agencies use to read your letters. Mm-hmm. So are you looking for errors in the code? Errors in the way that it's reporting? Well, when you send, well, when anyone sends off a letter, it's going to automatically be coded. And those codes are going to be read in Metro 2. And there's, you know, there's points of compliance and, and there's five points of compliance that Metro 2 will be um, coded in. And there's five points, like I said, there's five points of compliance that Metro 2 will need to be, that will need to be followed. Um, so that's when the letter will go in and it will be either coded by that or it will be spit back out and sent back. So everything is always going to be coded and sent back to either the agency, the original creditor, and right back to the consumer. So is it that if they don't hit those five points of compliance, that's what you're disputing? Of course. Yeah, we're, we're challenging those five points of compliance. We're challenging that is this within the five points of compliance that the bureau set for themselves. Got it. If it's not, then you need to take this off of the the consumer's report. Got it. So you put that into the dispute letter. Oh, absolutely. We challenge challenge the rules that they put on themselves based on the five points of compliance that Metro 2 says that they have to to follow. Awesome. Um, Okay. How about... um... Can you describe step-by-step how your credit repair FDCPA method works and why you do that? Sure. So we do that one. We offer that one because sometimes just hitting the three main credit agencies is not enough. So sometimes you have to go to the original creditor. Sometimes you need to talk to, depending on what's on the client's files, sometimes you need to go to other sources. So if they have a bankruptcy, you need to maybe you need to speak to the court. Maybe you need to look up ne- Lexus Nexus. Um, if you're if you're hitting the credit agencies for three three rounds, maybe by round four you should be going to the original creditor. So with that method, we're going to all those places right away, right away, right out the gate. We're everything that's on that file. We're hitting the original creditor. We're hitting the third-party agencies like LexisNexis, the original creditors, SageStream for inquiries, things like that. We're hitting it all. And we're using the consumer laws to, to hit them all at the same time. And it's coming all back at the same time. So it's a little more expensive, but there's a lot more locations that we're hitting up versus just the three main credit bureaus. We're also hitting Innovis, which is the fourth main credit bureau. We're going to all the locations that are on a consumer's file, which can differ. Everybody's file is different. It's like a fingerprint. Um, so depending on what's on that file is we're hitting all those locations. So that's what that is. You're going way deeper than most people do. We're not going to waste any time. We're going to just hit all those locations. And yeah, we're going to go right away. Okay. What's your strategy for removing collections? Collections, I mean, they're I mean, they're like any other account on there. You would go to, you know, the credit bureaus um, and the original creditor who's who's reporting it to the because the because the credit bureaus are just the messenger. It's the original creditor who is the one that's reporting the wrong account, the wrong numbers, the wrong balance, the wrong uh, last reporting date or something like that. So um, I would hit the I would hit the creditor and and the credit bureaus. So the, the bureau is just the messenger. Um, we would, we would attack them. 
um, using Metro 2 or um, consumer law, whichever one that either the consumer chose or the partner chose. And we would we would go to the bureau and we would go to the original creditor. So whichever is porting on the consumer's file again, we would go there. How about removing uh, late payments? There's many ways that you can report, I mean, remove a late payment. So late payments for us, and it's not the only way that works, but if there's a lot of late payments, especially in the past 24 months, the best way to remove that maybe would be to just remove the whole account. Um, But if there's just a few here and there, my strategy has always been to remove the most recent first. Try that one first. That would help the score, the numerical score, most likely the best since it was the most recent. And then work your way back to, for the for the most recent and then work your way back for those. Um, but like I said before, if they have a lot, then maybe just get rid of the whole account because you look irresponsible, like you can't pay your bills on time. Um, but yeah, I would start with the most recent. I would start with the bureaus. It's, it's always starting with the bureaus and then the, and then going to the, the creditor that's reporting the late payment. Sometimes you just need a goodwill letter and it does the trick, especially being in the, in a pandemic. We're still in a pandemic. Sometimes that does the trick is, is a good old goodwill letter. Um, and sometimes you just need to switch up your verbiage. Um, just throw in some compliance of Metro two and <laughs> hold it, hold it to them. Awesome. How about wiping out inquiries? What's a good trick for that? A lot of people think inquiries mean a lot. Um, unfortunately, if, if it's not really in the past 18 to 24 months, it doesn't really affect your file or numerical score too much. But inquiries, you can go to a lot of places. You can go to Sage Stream. You can just go, to, again, just write to the bureaus themselves and just ask about permissible purpose and go right from there. And a lot of the times it just does a trick. They don't really want to deal with all the back and forth with that. And a lot of times they do just come off again a lot. We don't really too much. We don't really put too much effort on them. Some people really press us for inquiries because they're trying to get a home and they happened all at once. Um, but you have to also look at when they occurred. If they occurred in the in a two week span, they're only going to count as one. And it's not going to get in your way of an, appro- an approval process. Um, so it really, again, depends on who's looking to get the inquiry removed and why. But you can just go to SageStream. A lot of times it's SageStream um, and just go to, to the credit bureaus. That's really Sometimes you have more tra- um, on TransUnion than you have with Equifax and, and clear those up. Um, LexisNexis holds – oh, I'm talking about bankruptcies. I'm sorry. Um, like I would just go to SageStream. And you send SageStream the, the the dispute letter the same like you would the credit bureau. Oh, absolutely. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, you mentioned bankruptcies. What's your strategy for deleting a bankruptcy? So bankruptcies, um, I've had both um, both um, a lot of luck doing both with sending a letter to the court. Mm-hmm. And the court will, you know, everyone knows the court's going to send you that letter back saying that they, they don't house them and they don't have the information um, on everybody's report. It's going to say bankruptcy, U.S. bankruptcy court. Um, but I've also just had a lot of luck just going straight to the source and it comes right off. A lot of people will say freeze your accounts. I don't necessarily say freezing. I think that's an extra step. And I think at the end of the process, it gets in the way. Now you have to unfreeze. Um, 
So a lot of people will say both. A lot of people have luck with both. That's okay. I think with us, um, especially, we just go right to the source, just like any other account. If it's in a collection, if it's a charge off, anything like that, just go right to the source, challenge the bankruptcy, challenge the validity of the bankruptcy. Um, a lot of the times, if you get rid of the bankruptcy first, the accounts attached to the bankruptcy will fall off as well because what bankruptcy are they attached to? Right. If bankruptcy isn't there. So a lot of the times people will put the bankruptcy and then everything attached to the bankruptcy. Get the bankruptcy first by itself. Just go right to the bureaus with it. Um, you can try to go to the court if if you want. If not, you know, you, I've seen it both. I've seen I've gotten results by going to the court and I've seen results by just going right to the bureaus. Um, wipe the bankruptcy out and then attack the accounts that are attached to it they'll fall off because they're like i said there's no there's no bankruptcy attached so how are you reporting those if there's no bankruptcy being reported exactly i love that do you ever work with uh, fcra attorneys um not really i used to before um mm -hmm. but we i still am in like a training with one there's there's one that i have worked with directly for a long time I started to kind of branch out with a few more and I didn't really like what they were doing. Um, I didn't like what they were kind they were kind of giving a false image, uh, false hope. Um, and I didn't like the way that what they were portraying. Um, but there's one that I work with directly a lot. Um, I've worked with him for many years. Um, he's very good. Um, so we do work directly with him if we do need him to step in and give us some of his letters and assistance and have him look over a file, we will get a power of attorney um, and permission from the partner or the client and things like that. And we will work directly with him. Um, if he's not in that jurisdiction, he will recommend one to us and go from there. Awesome. Okay. I want to know what would you do differently if you started your credit repair business from scratch today? Today? Um, <laughs> I wouldn't wait so long to, to hire help, to hire a staff. Um, I would delegate my tasks sooner. So as, like I said before, as soon as you know what you're doing, um, cause a lot of people hire help before they know what they're doing. Right. And then they have all these questions for the help that they hired on top of not being able to trust the help that they hired. And it's just, you're not letting your help do the work that you hired them to do. <laughs> so I would, as soon as you know what you're doing, as soon as you feel comfortable in what you're doing, hire help. So I would not wait as long to hire help. Um, I would definitely outsource anything, anything that you can outsource, I would outsource. You know, Amazon outsources. They're, the, the CEO of Amazon is not delivering the packages. He outsources. So I would outsource your, your help, anything that you can outsource. I would, I would definitely do that. So if I had to start it today, I would have my systems in place and I would hire help. Good advice. Got any other advice for someone just starting out with a credit repair business? Definitely. So the same, the same patience that you ask your clients to have, give that to yourself, give yourself grace, give yourself patience and let go of that fear that you're going to fail. You are going to fail a lot 
and welcome falling on your face. Welcome that because it will build character. It will give you a growing opportunity and it's only going to push you forward. So I would let go of that. Do not give up. I can't tell you how many times I've wanted to give up. I've like you read on my, on my, the quote that I put on my Facebook that I had said, like I didn't have many supporters at all. I found supporters along my way within this industry. So my own family, um, you know, things like that, the people that you think are going to support you, they're not your friends won't support you. You'll turn a client into a friend before you'll turn a friend into a client. So you have to let go of all those what ifs and the fears. And if you feel like it's alone, you're alone. It's okay. That means you're just on the right, you're on the right path. So do not give up. Please do not give up. That's really good advice. (laughs) Now we're going to switch things up. We're going to go and do a rapid fire round of questions where you answer the first thing that pops into your head. Okay. 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 (laughs) Okay. What's the most important lesson you've learned as a business owner? Uh, The most important lesson I've learned as a business owner is do not neglect your mental and emotional health. Mm. What's your biggest superpower in business? Um, Balance. Balancing multitasking. Awesome. What does business ownership mean to you? Freedom. What drives and motivates you? Freedom. <laughs> and what's your definition of success? Um, my independence, my freedom. I, I it's going to always go back to freedom. Um, it's it's financial freedom, but it's also the freedom to do whatever it is that you need to do. So financial freedom, but you also are free just as a person to make the decisions that you see fit for yourself, for your business, for your life. Um. So it's always going to be freedom and, and that independence for sure. And you can, you can be the solution for other people. So like how I told you before, I'm, I'm the solution for my own life as a business owner, as an outsourcer, I'm a, I'm a solution to other credit repair owners, but I'm also a solution to consumers as well. So I'm, I'm just that solution for people. Awesome. I love that. You're so inspiring. Hey, I really appreciate you being here today, Nicole. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And thank you for having, you know, like I said, for an award, an award for people like us. And it it gives us something to go after. It gives us something to have. Um, And yeah, it's beautiful. I really appreciate it. But thank you too. You're very welcome. My pleasure. How can people learn more about your outsourcing services? Um, I mean, they can find me on Facebook. I'm always... Sometimes I'm controversial on Facebook, but, um, is there a website? What's the website? My website is diamondoutsourcing.com. Diamondoutsourcing.com. Yep. They can find me on there or they can find me right on Facebook. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for your time today, Nicole. I really appreciate you. Congratulations again on the Millionaires Club and all your success and for being here. And, and for everyone out there, if you're enjoying this podcast, please click below to subscribe so you don't miss any of the secrets that we share each week here on the Credit Repair Business Secrets Podcast. And if you're feeling kind, do me a favor and write a review. Give me a thumbs up. 
help us to move up the charts and leave a comment or ask a question because I read each and every one of them. And I will see you on the next episode. And until then, be a credit hero and keep changing lives. Hey, everybody, it's Daniel again. And really quick, I'd like to invite you to join what I believe is the best thing we have ever created inside the Credit Repair Cloud community. And it is a challenge that we call the Credit Hero Challenge. If you're just planning out your business or you're just getting it started and you dream of having a successful business of your own so you can quit your 9-to-5 and fire your boss and have financial freedom or so you can add another revenue stream to your existing business, if that's your dream, you need to get into this challenge. We created this challenge to help you to create and launch your very own credit repair business, to build a proper foundation for a really successful business. This challenge is going to help you to understand the strategy, the tactics, and all the things you need to be successful at credit repair. It really is the greatest thing we have ever built, and it will change your life. So I recommend you do it right now. Stop everything, pause this audio, go online, and go to CreditHeroChallenge.com. That's CreditHeroChallenge.com. And join the next challenge. And there's a challenge that's starting in just a few days. So go get started right now at CreditHeroChallenge.com.